What's up, everyone? Welcome to the 230th episode of the Pokemon Podcast. I'm your host, SBJ. It is super effective. I sometimes forget to say that. To my left, <laughs> I have Logan. Hey, long time since I've been on this podcast. You're back. I'm back. You're here. Back better than ever. <laughs> And then I can to... steal Travis's joke and say that I'm in my Alolan form. My neck got so long, it's weird. <laughs> I was just going to say that this is Travis in his Alolan form. It's just Logan. <laughs> A Logan form. I also <laughs> have Will with us today. And my Alolan form is Poison Steel. That's the only change. Everything po- else looks exactly the same. Opposed to what? Mm. What were you before? Uh... Uh, <laughs> now you're asking the tough questions. Ice fairy. How about, right. How's about that? Ice fairy. Okay. All right. I see. I see. We got a show for you guys today. We have some Pokemon Go news. We have some Pokemon World Championship results. And we also have an interview later on in the show. I interviewed Ophidian, who is a wrestler from Chikara. 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 There we go. I don't know why I say it wrong, but it's Chikara. That is right. That is a wrestling promotion like TNA, like WWE, like ROH. Just a different wrestling promotion. Now, before you turn off the episode, before you go, I don't want to listen to a wrestler. Ophidian is a huge Pokemon player. And so we talked Pokemon. We talked some video game. We talked a little bit about just wrestling and how, how that works. More so not like, what's it like to be a wrestler? It's more so, how do you fit video games in while always being on the road? That kind of thing. Hmm. And is his name Ophidian because he likes that trading card game that I play? No, but his, okay. his, his uh, well, maybe, I don't know. His character gimmick is he is a snake from Egypt. I'm, I'm, I'm not doing it service. He will, he will obviously uh, explain that during the part of the, that part of the interview. And so we're going to talk about news. We're going to get some thoughts from Logan on what we have had from Sun and Moon. The best thoughts. The best thoughts. Then we'll do the interview with Ophidian. And then when we come back, then we'll wrap up with Pokemon of the Week. So that's the show for you guys today. Before we get to that, though, because we have to, of course, first steer way off topic, then come back. Otherwise, this whole show falls apart. But (laughs) what's new? What's good? Logan, it's been a while since you've been on. How have you been? Yeah, I've been really great. You know, I've been... Playing Pokemon Go until I didn't so much anymore, but eagerly awaiting for that to get get good again. Of course, I'm I'm getting ahead of myself talking about Pokemon related things. I was on the Tuesday night podcast just now. <laughs> we we recorded that awesome Dungeons and Dragonites mini campaign at Gen Con, which I'm really excited about. Everybody listening to that's uh, and I've been working a lot, playing a bunch of. Uh, games and stuff finished undertale that was super fun we sort of had our undertale discussion not on the podcast so <laughs> <laughs> you really liked it though. yes i did i really liked it a lot liked it more more than sbj did i'll tell you that i mean i i did play all of it and then watched yeah. all the alternative stuff so i'm aware i'm, I'm well versed in the underness of <laughs> the tales underness of the tales i don't know i just love love sans that character is great Actually, all the characters are great, and I laughed out loud a lot playing that game, and I probably haven't laughed out loud, or I haven't laughed out loud that much at a piece of media in a really long time. I can't, I can't remember the last time that I've 
I've experienced like a, anything, a book, a podcast. Well, I guess the adventure zone has made me laugh out loud quite a bit, but, um, you laugh, you laugh pretty, pretty hard pretty during good. our Dungeons and Dragon night sessions. <laughs> that's very true. But that's like, I don't know. That feels like a totally separate realm because it's like us. It's like real people. You know, it's not really a, it doesn't count as a media thing. If I'm currently doing it with all the people live, right? All right. That doesn't, doesn't, yeah. And I, we're all fake people here. Yeah. Mm. When you, I, when you listen to the adventure zone, it's nothing but fake people. I, you know what I mean? I mean, like I was in yeah. the room when I was yeah, laughing. No. We're just teasing you. <laughs> okay. But you guys are fake people. That's for that, sure. Yes. <laughs> that's true. No one's arguing with that. Will, how have you been? I, I'm so stressed out right now because you're making this so difficult. Because like Logan said, we literally recorded Tuesday night podcast like 15 minutes ago. Uh-huh. And so this could kind of be like part two of that. Except that this is going to come out before that, so yep. I don't know how to transcend time and space to speak like I haven't spoken already. But I will say this, and this is the most important thing. I This is almost like my 20th year working Georgetown University, new student move-in, new student orientation, had my 3DS out on the table in front of me for, I think, a sum total of 18 hours and received zero street passes. What is wrong with Georgetown University that nobody <laughs> has a 3DS? Why Why do I work? This is literally the antithesis of any universe that I should be in. I need to work at the university where everybody has a 3DS. <laughs> Tell me where that university is. I will apply for a job there. I will work there. Is it- these Georgetown kids are so like, dude, they don't. Uh, I feel like you're the exception game. there. Isn't Georgetown like one of the like top 10 colleges? Uh, maybe I'm completely off. I don't. Uh, top 25. Top 25. Top 25. Okay. In a, in a specific subject matter, we might be in first place. But in general, collegeness, top 25. Hmm. So like, I cool. feel like if you're going to Georgetown, you're probably bragging that you're going to Georgetown. Well, I mean, that's what I do. Yes, I, I did go to. <laughs> I am a Georgetown graduate. So congrats, Will Anderson. And I did go to the best school at Georgetown, the School of Foreign Service. So double congrats, Will Anderson. But it's just like I I don't I can't relate to these kids. They, they if they I, I literally posted on Twitter. I'm like, if you're coming to Georgetown's new student orientation, hit me up at the UIS table in Red Square, and we can have a Pokemon battle. And nobody came to have a Pokemon battle. Do you? Aww. Do you think the D, the the 3DS has like kind of seen its light on its way out? I feel the 3DS. Yeah, I believe we just had a discussion about how the 3DS has doubled sales since July of last year, or right, something I mean, like that. You're right. You're right. But it's still sort of in its in its like last phases. It just had sort of like a rebirth because uh, the new Monster Hunter came out, and everybody's psyched about Pokemon. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and can but, I also uh, say for I just want to be very clear about all the people who are talking about how Nintendo is a dying business or whatever. How like Japan specifically used Nintendo concepts and imagery for their announcement. For the Tokyo Olympics, yeah, because Nintendo oh, yeah, was, was such so an cool. irrelevant and going out of business company. I, <laughs> no, like, I'm, I'm not. I'm not saying that like the 3DS is doomed or or it's out the window. I'm just saying the hardware itself is a bit old, and with no, the the rumors and the concepts of the NX coming out and possibly it being like a portable slash that would spark more people to carry their devices around. 
I don't go out anymore with my 3DS. I used to take it everywhere to and from work. And now my 3DS kind of sits on my coffee table. And like when I go to a convention, I bring my 3DS. Well, all I can say to you is be a part of the solution, not be a part of the problem. <laughs> I love the 3DS. I'm not saying I don't. I'm just saying that it's, it's the hardware is a little old. I need puzzle pieces. <laughs> I need like 200 puzzle pieces. I'll complete it all. No, I know you do because you never have your 3DS with you. So you never get puzzle pieces. I I would probably suffer the same issues you're suffering from right now, and not a lot of people are street passing me. So then I just stopped bringing my 3DS because if I wasn't getting street passes, what's the point? It just it just makes me cry. Georgetown students, you're 18 years old. You're not a lawyer yet. You're allowed to have some fun, break out some video <laughs> games, and have a good time. Stop <laughs> worrying about like the future. It's your first day at a university. You're allowed to play some p- Pokemon's. You know, maybe and, they're, uh, maybe they're stressed. How are you stressed on the first day of you? Like you haven't even started school yet. It's like it's like a party for you. It's like hooray, you're at Georgetown. Party, party. <laughs> I, I don't the know. Time. I don't know. You can be stressed on Wednesday, the first day of classes. Ugh. Um, Ophidian means uh, snake or relating to snakes. So now I've learned something. This character is a snake. Good callback. <laughs> let's jump. Let's jump into some news, and then we can go off the rails again here. I guess I didn't talk about me, but that's all right. How are you, Steve? What you been up to? I'm What's up, man? Good. Uh, actually, I'm preparing for PAX. This is Pokemon podcast related, but I am preparing to go to PAX. PAX is not this weekend, but the, if you're listening to this on Monday or Tuesday or whenever, whenever, as soon as you listen to it, PAX will be that coming weekend, the weekend, the first week of September. It'll be that Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. I will be there. I will arrive, I will be there Saturday, Sunday, Monday. On Monday specifically, I will be speaking about Pokemon in the Hydra Theater at 10.30 a.m. Labor Day. I was told that the room can hold 600 people. You should come out if you can get a ticket to PAX. I know they're sold out, but sometimes they sell day of. So again, Monday. I'll be there. I'll be giving away Pokemon Go pins for the people who, you know, stop by and say hi to me after, after the panel. So, Yeah. Uh, I'm really nervous for that because I'm a I'm a very nervous flyer, and I've never been to Seattle or that area, so that's kind of all new to me and everything. But I'm excited for that. Other than that, I've been playing a lot of Monster Hunter Hunter at nights. So not a lot, like an hour or so. If if people are in the Slack and they're willing to hunt, we have a a lot. We've had an increase of people buying Monster Hunter and in Slack and going. This is my first Monster Hunter, and so. I'm I'm just trying to make time to make sure that they enjoy Monster Hunter because that is a real intimidating game. Yeah, it's real intimidating, yeah. but it's real fun. I killed two great Macau simultaneously this morning, <laughs> and I know it's just a village quest. Huh? It's so it's the most wonderful feeling, like no. every time. I literally, I mean, I keep saying this, but it's so true. I literally do not get out of bed in the morning until I've killed something. And it's like, <laughs> I've already done my greatest accomplishment of the day, and I'm still in bed. Yeah. It's great. I like to kill something before I go to bed. Yeah, that's my that's my jam. Uh, that's what I save my gather quests. Chill, you know, get me some mushrooms, go to bed. I like to go to bed knowing that I've not only killed the creature, but I've skinned it, and I am now wearing it for the next day. <laughs> <laughs> like that time we killed like six Gormagalas. Oh then yeah, that was, that was amazing. That was good. I need to kill more Gors. By the way, I'm I'm like three Gors short of a set. Oh, I'm down to hunt, definitely. Yeah, let's do it. Speaking of down to hunting, 
10 million people are no longer down to play Pokemon Go. That was really good. You should have been like down to hunt Pokemon. Yeah, probably. I should have. I didn't want to say the word close. hunt a lot, but yeah, this uh, article, this article has been everywhere. This, you know, one, one news site reports that they all report it here. Ars Technica is where I've looked here. Pokemon Go loses its luster, sheds more than 10 million users, engagement downloads, and time spent in the app are fading fast. Now, I will say that's a large drop in user base is very standard for almost any app. So I, I, do, I do think that a lot of news outlets are running with this in a way that is a little bit more hyperbolic than, than perhaps it should be. Because like every app experiences like a twenty percent dip in users after it's initially released. Yeah, and and if you're if you're a new listener to it's super effective, we I, I think without a doubt we all loved and enjoyed our time with Pokemon Go. We might not be playing it every week or every day. I mean, I'm definitely going to be playing it when I'm in Seattle because I want to see what their Pokemon look like, and especially because it's convention time. So there's so many lures and everything that are being placed around. But but my, my point was. We have been very hard on Pokemon Go, but we've also been be- very positive on Pokemon Go. So I don't know how this is going to turn out. I don't know if this is going to be us complaining or us being like, no, Pokemon Go is still good. I'll read the article first. It has been almost, it had almost 45 million daily users in July, but figures appear to have been sunk by almost 12 million since the start of August to just over 30 million people now playing Pokemon Go. Further decline is expected as downloads, engagements, and time spent using the app have visibly flopped, according to data provided by Sensor Tower, SurveyMonkey, and Apptopia. Bloomberg, which saw the raw data, reported that the other majority apps such as Twitter, Facebook, and Snapchat can breathe a sigh of relief that Pokemon Go is finally wobbling as the game's popularity has has apparently been costing them considerable amounts of users. Given the rapid rise in usage of Pokemon Go's apps since the launch in July, investors have been concerned that this new user experience has been detracting by time spent on other mobile-focused apps, said some analyst from some capital management place. (laughs) Developer Niantic is preserving the game, however, is due with a release version for Android and iOS. There's a new patch coming out that we're going to talk about next. Niantic also hinted at upcoming developments and designs to improve the game's questionable longevity. They stated, this is Niantic, quote, We are working hard on several new and exciting features come to come in the future of Pokemon Go, end quote. Very generic quote. I'll give them that. <laughs> but we'll, we'll talk about the update here in a second. Let's talk about this news, though. Logan, you already mentioned that. A lot of apps see a decline after the first week or so. Yeah. I think Pokemon Go surprised all of us, not only from how it blew out of the gate at such an enormous speed of getting new users on, but I was more so impressed of how those users stayed on for weeks. And now we're, we're almost into month three of this game. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like I said, like the dip, that's a very standard percentage dip for... You know, when a when a game is very hype for, to the next month or whatever, but normally that that occurs over like a week or two. You have like a maximum user base and then it trails off quickly. But Pokemon had a pretty long, pretty long tail for that. I mean, I, I'm in, I'm still impressed with it. And I, I don't know. Most of these articles aren't 
presenting you with like similar statistics for other apps like clash royale or whatever you know like i think that was probably a very similar trajectory and i don't necessarily think that that means it's suddenly not a success or not making the money you know i yeah i want to see i want to see the comparison to candy crush like right how, how what's the what's the curve on people dropping off on that or still playing or anything like that well, you you said that you were around for new student orientation. Where did you notice Pokemon Go players or no? Did I mention how disappointed I am in Georgetown students? No Pokemon Go players. No, you didn't did see, see a single phone with Pokemon Go on it as you were standing outside. Other than my own, no. All right, and George and Georgetown, the campus is full of Pokestops. Oh, I I believe it. Even some of my coworkers were complaining. Yeah, some of my coworkers were complaining that uh, some of the Pokestops on campus. We've changed the names of some of the buildings, but the Pokestops are still named the old name of the buildings. So I had to explain to them why that is. Hmm. But like, it's mostly my coworkers, and none of the I did not see any students. But then again, like all the students, like their parents were standing over their shoulders the mm. entire time. So that thinking does like add we a paid a lot of money for you to go to this yeah. school, you best not be it, playing I, Pokemon. <laughs> exactly and you know you know what's funny is um we had free handouts on our table and like all these parents were like like little cell phone pad things and everything and they're like oh can we take this and i literally said to every parent that said that your tuition money paid for that take as many as you want <laughs> but yeah they're a little i guess I, I will step back a little from criticizing georgetown students the parents are a little intense over this weekend and maybe things will chill out a little bit more there is a Pokemon gym at the location, the building where our technology service desk is. And I know that that has changed over between teams a few times. So um, that there's that level of activity. And it's just, we're kind of in a weird location in DC where there's not as many people as maybe downtown or where the monuments are. So I don't know. There's always going to be plenty of Pokemon go in DC just because of the, number of people who travel through here and like just like you when they travel here they're going to want to play pokemon go just because dc is different and especially because we have all the monuments where there will be pokestops and gyms and things that are worth actually playing against Mm. totally totally well there's a new update for pokemon go this came out uh, probably four or five days ago it's a new patch uh that introduces pokemon appraisal for android that's going to be 0.35.0 and for ios it's going to be 1.50 pokemon appraisal allows players that are on a team that's the important note you have to be on valor mystic or instinct to get appropriate evaluations of their pokemon ivs similar to stat judge in the core series game pokemon appraisals can be accessed on the menu button Pokemon appraisals is done by that player's gym leader specific wording, just like the game. Like, oh, this Pokemon's excellent. This Pokemon's good. This Pokemon's okay. This Pokemon's terrible. I'm just generalizing, <laughs> but I believe there are four levels. If the Pokemon has a height or weight that differs significantly from the average, that will also be commented. Additionally, Pokemon that are ejected from a gym now return fainted instead of at one HP. This has been applied server side, so it will occur regardless whether or not the patch has been downloaded. How do you guys feel about the appraisal feature that, that that's added? Somebody needs to explain to me, does the appraisal feature mean that the Pokemon you catch besides the CP that they have, that they have IVs that are hidden? Is that yeah. what it's telling you? Yeah, so, I did not know that. Okay. It, it pretty much comes down to there are your Pokemon falls into excellent, great, good, or bad. 
and the the amount of stardust you give to it if it's like if it's great you would want excellent because your stardust going into an excellent is just worth it more like that pokemon will hit a higher cp level at the end of the day i'm trying to like break that down to the like simplest (laughs) yeah it's hard for me since i still haven't joined a team and i can't battle gyms and stuff the whole battling and any part of that has is is a mystery to me well uh, so there's three beyond cp cp is comprised of like your average of the three attributes which are attack hp and oh man the other one defense or wait no i already said that no no you defense yeah that was the last one okay cool all right well and so it's not like regular pokemon where you have to you have you want to get maximums on six different stats it's much easier to find a perfect pokemon but you i can you do you were researching that earlier will like can you still get appraisals if you're not on a team no you nope, can't i cannot get an appraisal you have to there talk you to your your judge okay your leader well you should join a team what's stopping you <laughs> uh the acrimony that existed between all of the teams at the beginning <laughs> i i will no 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 i'll not be part of that. let me ask a different question is this what you would have wanted in an update no i can't believe they spent so much time on this thing that like the 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 footsteps still are very broken. I don't understand why they're not just fixing the footsteps. Well, for me, all I wanted, all I want is to track down Pokemon. That's the whole thing. And I, for me personally, I think the gym system is really weak. Not a very good combat system. It's way easier to take down a gym than it is to train at a gym, which doesn't make any sense at all. And any gym near me, if you take, if 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 a team takes it over, you can just watch it fall and be rebuilt as a different team every 30 minutes because nothing nothing stays put so there's no the the resources you have to pour into doing that are just not worth it yeah i don't i don't so i saw the update and i went okay that is silly right i i can't so if i'm if i'm in somebody's footsteps somebody's shoes not their footsteps i'm thinking Mm -hmm. of footsteps because of the footsteps that were taken away (laughs) yeah if i'm in somebody's shoes and my main appeal my favorite thing about pokemon go is the battling like am i still even excited that there is now this hidden iv system to say that my pokemon fits into one of these four categories and great, this Pokemon is excellent. Now I train him up and then I send him to a gym. And then in a day that that Pokemon comes back to me fainted because gyms don't last that long. Right. It, how is, I would love to talk to somebody where they go, like, this is the best thing ever. Because I think the, the battling system and the gym system, like you said, is the weakest part of the game. And adding, yeah. I, like, saying that this Pokemon, this Charizard that you have is slightly better than this Charizard. Okay, cool. It doesn't matter. Either Charizard I put in there is going to come back to me tomorrow. Right. That's exactly my point. Like, there's where in competitive Pokemon, like the the games for 3DS, those those like getting a 31 instead of a 30 in your IV really matters. It really it can, it can be the difference between surviving an attack or not. But it's it's a matter of if they're going to stay in that gym for 30 minutes or 32 minutes. You know, it's just not 
<laughs> so I, I will say the one thing is if you're having a hard time deciding which of your Pokemon to be the one that you keep if you're turning all the rest of them into candies, I mean, it helps you somewhat make that selection. Yeah, I will. And that's that's fair. Um, but I feel like the CP system sort of does that for you in a general sense. Like I, you, you can definitely tell, oh, this Magikarp is 10 CP and this Magikarp is 120. So I'll keep the 120. I, but you're right. You, you can, if you, if you're having trouble distinguishing which one is actually going to be the best one long-term, then yeah, go for it. But for me, I, I'm waiting until gems make any sense to put any resources into before I even spend the um what are those even called not candy but the stardust. other resource stardust. stardust i haven't i haven't spent any stardust since like day three i was gonna of, say the last time i spent stardust was like day two because i wanted to report on what it did right <laughs> and then you're just saving it up for i don't know whatever right, cause, yeah because i'm, I'm in a position that. where i have no interest in taking over a gym because i know that it will just get taken back so if there is a gym, I'll leave a Pokemon there and then collect my 10 gold. And then right. tomorrow I'll see that like that Pokemon is no longer at the gym. And that's okay. Like, that's cool. But I, I don't know. Like that, that the battling is not interesting to me. And I don't I don't see the benefit of the IV system because like what you said, it what you and I both said is it doesn't your Pokemon is going to get ejected from that gym no matter what. Right. Because the P defending is always at the disadvantage from attacking. But were people asking for this? I feel like everyone was just, <laughs> they want footprints. And I'm cool right. right now without the footprints because I play so casually. I like, when I go to the post office, I know there's a Pokestop there. When I go to this store, I know there's a Pokestop there. So I will always open my phone before I go into the building, get my, get my rewards when i come out of the building get my rewards go on my day maybe catch it if there's a pidgey there because there's a pidgey everywhere but if i was if i was back to spending three or four hours hunting pokemon the footsteps would be priority number one but if i'm walking around a convention where there's thousands of stops and everything really my priority number one is making sure i hit all those a thousand stops to stock up on stuff so when i go yeah. hunting pokemon i have that exactly and none well, of that none of that was battles <laughs> this may right. just be preparation for person-on-person -person battling which you know they'll release later so they get you used to the rating system and then when they have person-on-person -person battling this will matter more yeah i guess I but what's the what's the benefit there but you, i guess again, I, you select the right pokemon to yeah. keep and, and i should i should say like there's no benefit of battling your friends in the, the main series game but the battling system uh, is not for extending the bo the bonds of friendship. Yes, through Pokemon <laughs> battles. But but the battling system in Pokemon Go is just not good. So why would I want to do that against a friend? The current battling system is not good. We don't know what the person on person battling system is going to look like. Who can tap faster? I don't know. I'm just I'm just joking now. But <laughs> I have one more Pokemon Go article. This one's actually Milwaukee related, and so kind of hit home at me. Hit home with me here i cannot talk but i've talked about this place before lake park spent several hours there it was when i saw like the 400 people chase the dragonair or the dragonite i can't can remember i think it was dragonite anyways you guys remember that story yeah if you haven't it was like six six or seven episodes ago so this is a letter from the milwaukee county park system to niantic 
uh, address to the CEO, something hanky. I can't remember his first name. Uh, I'm going to read the letter here real quick. So again, this is from Milwaukee County Parks. Dear Mr. Hanky, the Pokemon Go phenom phenomenon. There we go. There we go. I said it right. The Pokemon Go nice phenomenon is, is on full display at Milwaukee County Parks, most notably at its beloved and historic Lake Park, National Register of Historic Places number 93000339. Indeed, this park is a national treasure designed by the renowned Frederick Law Olmsted, who once described the park work as a democratic development of the highest significance. Lake Park has quickly become known as one of the most active Pokemon Go areas in the Midwest. I don't know if that's true, but anyways. <laughs> the Pokemon Go phenomenon has introduced hundreds, if not thousands, of individuals to our park system and doubtless has resulted in many new positive recreational experiences. The Milwaukee County Park System Recreation and Cultural Development applause those outcomes. However, there have been other unanticipated and negative consequences from Pokemon-related activities which have caused significant disruption both within Lake Park and in adjacent neighborhoods. These include daily traffic congestion, parking issues, littering, compacted and damaged turf, risks to sensitive flora and funana, funana habitat, funana. Funana habitats and non-compliance with park system operational hours. This letter is provided to notify you of Milwaukee County's parks policy related to virtual geocaches and require you immediately comply with that policy which includes prior written permission before placement of virtual geocaching in Milwaukee County Park. Niantic Inc. must complete a separate notification placement form for each intended Pokemon Go site within Milwaukee County Park system. That link can be found here and sent to this address. Hmm. The park's geocaching guidelines link is attached here for your convenience. As noted, should Niantic Inc. be granted permission to place Pokemon Go sites within any Milwaukee County Park, it will thereafter be responsibility for regularly monitoring each cache four times per year as recommended and reporting vandalism and detriation of property. Wow. So that letter was sent to Niantic. That was... Monday. That was that was right after two twenty nine came out. That letter came out. I feel like there's like there's like two possibilities. It's either nothing happens with that, or Niantic stops supporting those Pokestops. Like they just cut them off. Yes, and and that, that's it. I, I was I was just gonna say this sounds like such a load of hooey. You can't make a law about virtual geocaches. That is like the most ridiculous, <laughs> overreaching. <laughs> non-sufficiently specific like what if like a, a fourth grader does a little map in their free time <laughs> in their class of lake park and they're like oh this is where my imaginary dragons can be found and then like the city of milwaukee is going to come crashing you can't have a virtual geocache on your <laughs> little piece of paper you fourth grader you didn't apply a separate permit for each one and check it four times a year <laughs> what a bunch of bunk 
I will say, okay, so I have I have Milwaukee County's geocaching permit pulled up here. I'll talk about that in a second. Uh, so I saw the post on Reddit and r slash Milwaukee, and then, of course, people who... Th- th- I mean, this this made it also to the front page, I think, of r slash Pokemon Go, and so I got some tweets, I got some texts about this. I said, I, I saw it, thank you for letting me know, I plan on talking about it on It's Super Effective. And then later in the day, just because I was following it, I saw an interview with the gentleman who wrote this, the guy in charge of Milwaukee County Parks, and the first thing the interviewer asked that guy was, do you think Niantic's going to respond? And he paused real long, then laughed and said, I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) Which is really good. It was really good. So, county.milwaukee.gov slash, I don't know, geocaching. Yep. Actually, it is slash geocaching. Find, uh, this just kind of punts, lays out something. Find a cache in Milwaukee County Parks. Geocaching is a popular outdoor scavenger hunt that uses global positioning system, aka GPS, device, and internet-published coordinates to locate virtual or physical cache. A virtual cache may be, a, may be an amazing view. A physical cache may be a trinket or a log or a book or a container hidden under some leaves. Geocaching is an acceptable activity in parks when following the, these guidelines. Now, these are Milwaukee's rules. I believe every county state is different. Types of geocaching allowed in the parks. Parks. Virtual. Preferred method. It says in parentheses. Preferred method. Coordinates of stationary landmark guides participants to the virtual cache. Virtual caches are verified by only emailed photos of the cache site. Physical geocaching participants seek a hidden, not buried, physical cache, a waterproof container storing trade items, logbooks. Uh, For letterbox cache, there's usually logbooks, rubber stamps. Participants may use their own physical logbooks or their own personal stamps. For a microcache, use a smaller container like a film canister to be used. Base guidelines for geocaching for all participants. You must abide by Milwaukee County Ordinance. You must confirm to leave no trace of outdoor ethic guidelines. Uh, Take nothing but photographs. Leave nothing but footprints. For more information of the leave no trace principle, go here. Uh, If you discover any illegal or hazardous materials in your cache, you must uh, contact Milwaukee County Parks immediately, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so that's pretty much it. So really, the 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 whole point to the letter that I understood was, Niantic, we're cool with this, but you need to fill out our form, but we know you're not going to, so remove these. That's like the feeling I got from it. That's that's I think that's going to happen, and I is that actually what they want? Do you think? Just you know, to remove the Pokestops. Well, here's the thing. And I don't know if I've ever said this about Lake Park. So Lake Park looks over Lake Michigan. And so below Lake Park, uh, because it is up pretty high and there's like this steep hill that goes down. So below Lake Park is Bradford Beach and, and Lake Drive, which is just one of the main roads to like get to all these downtown attractions. Behind Lake Park, if you're, if you're looking Lake Michigan, Bradford Beach, Road, Lake Park, Behind Lake Park is probably one of the richest neighborhoods in all of Milwaukee. Ah, there you go. Like, I'm not exaggerating, like $4 million plus houses all along Lake Park. 
So that in Milwaukee, part, which is like a ten million dollar house, anyplace else. Right. Yeah. So and that neighborhood, it touches Lake Park. So Lake Park is is pretty long. It's probably two three miles long. So if you start at one end in Pokemon Go and walk to the other end, that's probably going to take you eh, maybe twenty minutes, and then you turn around and walk back. I, I have to ima- imagine that this is because of that neighborhood for all those oh, people it- parking on the street. Uh, for the congestion that it builds, because there is there is a parking lot on one side of Lake Park that every time I went to Lake Park was just full, and so there's street parking and street parkings, you know, allowed for everyone, but that that is also filled. There, the other rumor I heard was there's only one bathroom at Lake Park, and it's below an, a restaurant that also shares with that parking lot. It is a public bathroom; anyone can use it, but. It, I think it locks at 10. And so since that mm. is the only bathroom for a consistent amount of people just going through with Lake Park, that bathroom gets extremely dirty extremely fast. E. And, and if you heard my Pokemon Go specials or just normal episodes of It's Super Effective, I have talked about, you know, the police clearing everyone out at 10 because technically, technically, the park closes at 10. Uh, and people were prior to that playing very late into the night. So I'll I'll just say number one, I am a huge believer in the leave no trace principle, and I think anybody who is enjoying our country's natural resources should familiarize themselves with the tenets of leave no trace before entering a national park or any nature preserve area. Yep. Um, I will make that very clear. Uh, but second, I will also say I am a very big fan of something called evidence. And I don't think especially governmental bodies should be making claims that any kind of particular damage or occurrence is happening because of a particular, well, Pokemon Go or any other type of thing, unless they have evidence showing that each and every person who has damaged a particular location was a Pokemon Go player. Maybe the park is just exceptionally popular this year because a lot of nature lovers have moved to Milwaukee. (laughs) You haven't given me evidence one way or the other. You just know that coincidentally, and coincidence is not allowable in a court of law, Pokemon Go has come out at the same time that your reported damage to Milwaukee parks has occurred. Now, Steve has never taken me to Lake Park because Steve really doesn't like me as a friend, but (laughs) I suspect with my knowledge of Milwaukee, first off, that park that's over there by the river is going to be much nicer than Lake Park. And it's 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 a public park. So, so yeah, so Lake Park is near Beach. Lake Park is also near Marquette, which is a very popular university. It's also oh, that's a party school if I ever heard of it's it. It's also, also <laughs> another Jesuit university of our country. It's also <laughs> near UWM, which is next to the east side, which is very close to Lake Park. So the the amount of people that go to Lake Park for what you get at Lake Park, Pokestop per walking distances lake park is the place to go no one's debating that so i get that it's popular you they want to fix that you know the simple system the simple way to do it is just remove a couple pokestops there's points in lake park where there are four pokestops touching each other and people sit there because they don't walk they just hit all four every five minutes absolutely not do not give into this bullying <laughs> i'm just saying the park for all kinds of reasons because i like to drink a beer and watch the sunset over the lake even though it's probably facing in the wrong direction i like to drink a beer and watch the sunrise over the lake uh, that's why i go to the park do can not you can you have a beer in a park? Go play. 
I, if you cover it in a brown paper bag, you couldn't have anything. I'm in just the saying park. that, like, if you want to just, you know, maybe bring down foot traffic, traffic, you could remove a couple stops. But this is going to be a situation where it's all or nothing. They're either going to keep all of these stops or they're going to remove them all. And removing them all is probably the worst option, especially because Pokemon Go will die down just like everything else does. And. Mm-hmm. What happens when it gets super cold out? What happens when when winter comes? Now this is no longer a problem. Oh, and also, yeah, Milwaukee Public Parks, don't come crying to me when you can't get donations and funding for your parks because you can't prove that anybody goes there after you've chased everybody away by taking away their Pokestops. Yeah. And I'll just say, if I sound extra bitter, it's because about 14 years ago, there was this huge, beautiful three-day outdoor concert festival like of the european style it was one of the first ones that was ever going to happen in the united states it was going to be all the way out on the tip of long island man i spent like 200 dollars on the tickets for that i was going to get a tent camp out everything it was going to be beautiful it, you know uh, my morning jacket was going to play all kinds of great bands and everything and they had to cancel the whole thing why because some rich person on the end of long island said there's a rare bird that nests here and if you have your concert here those rare birds are all going to die and that was a load of baloney so you're just like scratching that itch right there (laughs) with all this about protecting the natural what natural wildlife of milwaukee the harley davidson plant is that your your great (laughs) preserve because i'll tell you something michigan's doing a much better job of preserving wildlife with their incredibly boring state than you are milwaukee i'm not saying milwaukee's great I'm just giving <laughs> I'm just giving you the news. <laughs> I'm so angry. <laughs> Speaking of news, uh, I'll I'll keep you guys updated on the Milwaukee outcome of this. I don't know if how soon that will be. But speaking of news, what we'll do is we'll take a quick break. When we come back, I want to talk about worlds and the results there and yeah, so we'll take a quick break. When we come back, we'll be talking about some worlds. And we are back from our break to talk to you about Worlds. Worlds 2016. So I think there was a bit of misunderstanding last week. I wanted to... I normally don't bring up negative reviews that we have. Well, I have in the past, but (laughs) I wanted to touch on an iTunes review here. Uh, because it was recent, and it was uh, specifically of our last episode. Before I, before I read it or talk about it, I do want to say that if you enjoy It's Super Effective, if it's something you listen to and you haven't done so already, I would highly encourage you to take the time and leave us a review in iTunes, even if you don't use iTunes. iTunes is used by most of our listeners, and we're trying to get to 700 reviews by the end of the year. We're at 625 now. so. You have like five seconds in your day. You can either use your computer with iTunes on there, or if you have an iOS device, the podcast app will take you there, or iTunes Store, or whatever. Would really, really appreciate it because it's free, doesn't cost anything, and it really helps us out. So, Moist Moose left us a review, and I, <laughs> I got it. First off, amazing name. Yeah, super amazing name. I want to say that he left us a one-star review, and I want to start off saying I appreciate. 
that he took the time and left a reason why he left us a one-star review. So I wanted to just comment on that, and then that'll bring us into our world's talk, because most of it was he or she being upset that we didn't talk about worlds well enough. So I'm just going to paraphrase it real quick. Titled, A Good Podcast Ruined by Fanboying, Biased and Poor Research Skills. This podcast has a lot of good points, but is ruined by the host's poor research fanboying to the point and forgiving every bad, mood Niant- bad move Niantic has made and 100% misreporting the state of the 2017 worlds. Well, technically it was 2016, but okay. Uh, because they didn't bother to watch it. Here are some bullet points compared Niantic for banning a player for doing well in Pokemon Go and time-gating them and comparing it to weekly resets and MMORPGs. Two, when reporting on the 2016 VGC Worlds, they said they didn't feel like watching it because it will just be Groudon Xerneas slash the Big Six. Truth is that the core teams that made it into the top four didn't have the Big Six. They, it just kind of goes on of what the teams were. So the, the points I want to make is, I, I, I thought we were clear and said that we were recording that before the finals. So even though the podcast came out after Worlds ended, we didn't know what the final matches were because we recorded it that Sunday morning. And I do want to say that I watch every single finals and I've watched them all since 2011. So I definitely care about the finals and Worlds. I will say that I've missed a couple nationals, but I think Worlds is just a bigger deal. It's more fun to watch. Uh, but I did watch. I watched the opening ceremonies. I watched three hours of it after the opening ceremonies. I did turn it on Saturday, watched it for about an hour. I'm not going to say that you're wrong. I totally didn't feel like watching it. There, are, I love a lot of things. Pokemon is one of them. Watching competitive Pokemon all weekend, not a love. I like it. Not a love. <laughs> the other thing is... We are pretty forgiving of Niantic, I think, but we are also pretty hard on Niantic. Some episodes are, are up and some episodes are down, but at the end of the day, it's a free-to-play game, so it's hard to hold them to a certain standard when the initial buy was $0. But I mean, I feel like we were, we were pretty hard on them today. Yeah. Talking about them earlier. I think, yeah. Yeah, I think so, too. I don't play Pokemon Go that much anymore, but like I said, I'm going to, P- going to PX. Going to PAX and I, uh, PX, and I am very excited to play some Pokemon Go there. Yeah, I think that I think that was the big miss, and maybe we should have made that more clear that we didn't watch the finals prior to recording, even though the podcast came out after Worlds was done, which was just poor timing. But we record every Sunday morning when we were recording. You know, finals didn't even start for anything. I don't think. Mm-hmm. Appreciate the review. They said they planned on listening to the next episode to see if we addressed his concerns. Hopefully we did. Uh, as for being unbiased, I mean, this is just a podcast of our opinions. <laughs> That's all this is. We all have opinions. We all like stuff. We all don't like stuff. But if you're looking, if I, and I've said this before. I've said this a hundred times. If you are looking for competitive information, this is not the show for you. There are so many awesome YouTubers that do that better. And I would encourage you to seek those out if you're looking for competitive stuff. If you're looking for Soylent information, I can tell you <laughs> that the new Soylent bars that came out, this is small transition into healthy living, they're very <laughs> similar to power bars, but they taste better. They have like the little crisps to them, and I like that a lot. 
like a Kit Kat crisp or a Rice Krispie crisp, but not all crisp, just a bit of crisp. Hmm. What about uh, the new Soylent Coffeeist? Coffeeist, uh, I don't like it. You know, and well, I don't. You don't I, drink coffee. That's the thing is, I don't drink black coffee. So my friend Alex, who only drinks black coffee, he said he loved it, and I gave it to my friend Tim, who he said he only drinks black coffee. And Tim was super funny because he was very against Soylent because he didn't know what it was. And I was like, oh well, you know, it's FDA approved. It's made in the lab. You should drink it. Uh, so mm-hmm. I gave him a coffeeist because he says he drinks black coffee, and he told me that he liked it a lot, and he was about to order a box, and I said. Hey, I got half a box. You want to buy the rest off me? <laughs> so you keep saying black coffee. Is it literally black coffee, or is it, it it doesn't have like a milk coffee kind of taste to it? Uh, I don't know if you it it to me it just tastes like thick black coffee, not like super thick. I would say like thick like milk, like a vitamin B or A milk. Is there A? Is that right? Vitamin B. No, all whole. milk is fortified with vitamin Wait, A whole, and D. So there's whole milk, skim milk. Yes. No, something whole other. Milk, whole milk, two percent. Two percent. You live in Wisconsin. Uh, whole milk, two percent. One percent. I don't know why I was skim. thinking A, B, C, and D. I would. So skim is the thinnest milk. Whole is the thickest milk. I would say that Soylent is closer to whole milk, hmm. and I would say that Coffeeist is closer to two percent milk in thickness coffeeist is apparently half coffee half soylent i don't taste any soylent i just taste all black coffee and from what i've read online and from talking to tim and alex and another person that only drinks black coffee they loved it and so it's just me i just don't like black coffee and i've tried to like black coffee and maybe one day i'll get there but I could drink it. I just didn't care. I would rather when I was drinking coffee, I was thinking I could just be drinking Soylent because I like Soylent better. Mm. But if you like black coffee and you want a meal in the morning, coffee might be for you, except I think they're sold out. There you go. So, yeah, but uh, that was your healthy living update. Let's talk about the world championships. So let's just talk about the final match here. It was uh, Wolf Glick who has uh, never been world champion, but has made it there, I believe, one time before. He was national champion three times in a row. Uh, mm-hmm. Fun fact, I have beaten Wolf at the 2011 national championships. Uh, nice. We were waiting in line for some TCG. We decided to battle. I had a so miraculous... it wasn't real. It was... I beat the national champion, Will, with my so miraculous... With my Durant, with my... I can't even. I can't even remember my whole team. I think Miractus. I had a semi seer. I I believe I had a basculin. I beat but Wolf. We were waiting wait, you, in line. You hate basculin. This was before my hate of basculin. I had well. This was remember. This was only Unova Pokemon, so I was very limited in what I could have. Basculin had soak, and my strategy revolved around soak. Hmm. But I did beat Wolf. I'm just saying, I beat your world champion. Nice. Okay. So Jonathan. Had a Kyogre and a Groudon. Go figure, right? Mm-hmm. Gengar, Talonflame, Manetric, and Bronzong. Wolf had Kyogre, Rayquaza. Go figure, right? Mm-hmm. Gengar, Bronzong. Hey, some of these Pokemon are looking really similar. <laughs> Hitmontop and Raichu. All right. I will say I was excited about the Raichu. Hitmontop, we've seen years after years. Yeah. 
Uh, Gengar, Mega Gengar is real cool. No one's debating that. There's no Kangaskhan here. I'm looking through the list. Uh, another semi-finalist was using Kangaskhan. I'm seeing... I'm just Let's just talk about all the Pokemon here. So uh, another uh, semi-finalist, Gengar, Rayquaza, Raichu, Bronzong, Hitmontop, Kyogre, Xerneas, Kangaskhan, Groudon, Bronzong, Hitmontop, Thunderous, Top 8, Rayquaza, Kyogre, Hitmontop, Raichu, Bronzong, Gengar... You, you see, I'm reading you guys a pattern. Like, yeah, Wolf's Pokemon were not that unique. That, and yeah. I'm not taking Wolf is a great player. I'm not taking any credit. I'm and Jonathan, and that was the first time I've ever seen him battle. Team to make smart decisions. Uh, another top eight here: Cresselia, Xerneas, Groudon, Smeargle, Salamence, Bronzong, uh, Infernape, Xerneas, Fungus. We've seen Fungus almost in every mm-hmm. every top eight here. Salamence. Wait, it's, it's it's Fungus. It's not a Oh, Amungus? I'm sorry, Amungus. <laughs> I would be real impressed if he was that running be, Fungus. That would be real clutch, absolutely. Uh, Kyogre, Bronzong. I-, I could just keep going, but pretty much all the Pokemon are the same after that point. Did you guys watch the World's Match? I did not. No, I missed it. I, I can't remember where. Oh, that's right. I was in recovery from, from running. my long run that morning. Yeah, so I, I missed the, the final for the VGC. So I, I was I was watching it during I had it up on my computer, I had SummerSlam up on my TV. It was pre-show SummerSlam, so it didn't matter. Um <laughs> so I watched it. And I might get might get a little flack for this, but it was probably one of the most boring worlds matches I've ever watched. Mm. And the first game went to time and Wolf had more Pokemon, so he won. And the second game was probably about two minutes. Less than two minutes. I think it was a minute 48 when it ended. So a minute 48 away from going to time two. Now, I've seen every Worlds match since 2011. I would say probably the most exciting Worlds match for me was 2011 because I was actually there in California at Worlds. And that was super exciting. When I say that these matches were boring... I don't want to mean that as I'm discrediting these players because they're clearly good players, great players, excellent players. But I think we've all been to a Super Bowl and we've watched a boring Super Bowl. And that doesn't take away from the two teams that made it to a Super Bowl. Let's not pretend just because it's a Super Bowl, it must be exciting because I don't, I don't know about you guys. The last couple Super Bowls I've watched. Not that exciting. Nah. But well, I, I don't get excited about that. So that I'm not I'm I'm, very I'm not, I'm not a sports gateway at all. The only football game I watch a year is the Super Bowl. And I've been to some exciting Super Bowl parties and I've seen people get excited. And I think that's the great thing, especially when I was with my friend at 2011 Worlds and a play happened and we saw people cheer, he would look at me and go, "What happened?" I want, I want to know why everyone is cheering. And it was such a good experience and a good eye-opener to explain why that move was exciting, why that move was clutch, why that, that, why that situation involved cheering. And I was watching uh, This Worlds, and I was in Slack. We had a channel specifically to Worlds, and so we're all chatting. 
And I wasn't the only one that was like, hey guys, this is boring. And no point in the slacks did somebody go, oh my god, that move. The uh, only part I remember was there was a point where one of one of Jonathan's Pokemon survived a move with like six HP. And that was like, it was his Gengar. I think it was his Mega Gengar, if I'm not mistaken. And that was like, oh yeah, like that was because you want to see, well, I want to see, I want to see them both win a match and I want to see what that final match comes out to. I, to me, it's always a little disappointing when one person just kind of wipes the other person where it's two and zero, like it happened here. But that was a moment where like, oh, Jonathan's Pokemon survived. He can make a comeback. And it didn't happen, but like that was an exciting moment. But overall, those matches, I was, they were just okay. They were they were Pokemon matches, and Pokemon matches are fun mm. to watch. But they they didn't stand out as like, wow, this was a world's match to remember. It was a good match, but not not memorable in any way. Mm. So yeah, what I would say, and I don't know if I'll be able to express this the right way, is the the current meta in the vgc is is what's making it boring just the fact that it really it really is concentrated around a very few pokemon being the top pokemon you know and like you know mirroring your experience i was in the room when seijin park used pachirisu and won worlds with that so exciting too that was a match it was that was legendary there was electricity in the room it was absolutely amazing and you know, there was that, you know, yes, that year there was a ton of complaints because it was like genies, 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 everything is genies, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, his small bit of creativity added to the excitement of the match. It doesn't take anything away from the players to say that in a boring meta, it is really the skilled and advanced players who do well. It just doesn't make an enjoyable match to watch. It's It, it almost becomes like watching a chess game if you're not like super knowledgeable about chess history and everything in, in that case you're just watching yes two really intelligent and skilled people move playing pieces around a board and you're kind of like well sure i'm sure this is great and fantastic but it doesn't light a fire in my heart but when you <laughs> see like a wide variety of pokemon and just like really creative tricky things as opposed to people just pushing the meta the way that it is supposed to be pushed and making those right decisions that that becomes a much makes for a much more exciting match. Let me tell you too, any any Pokemon game that goes to time is just slightly disappointing that yeah. there's there's no out there's no outcome like you won because you had more Pokemon and Wolf is a slower player. I don't think anyone's going to disagree with that statement. Like he's a slower player and that's fine. That's cool. But for a world's match, you you always want to kind of see it come down to the wire of like, oh, it's two versus it's one versus two. Can can this get turned around, or it's one versus one, or it's two versus two, and they're about to do some huge plays, and to have that taken away because of time is slightly disappointing. Absolutely. And we've got the bloodlust, and we want to see Pokemon faint. We want to see blood. Yeah. An E-rated. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but that was that was VGC Worlds. Congrats to not only Masters. I also watched the Juniors. I watched the Seniors. I'm not gonna lie. I thought their matches were more exciting, especially the 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 Seniors. If I'm not mistaken, uh, it's hard because after like like 12 and under, they all look like they're the same age. So I can't recall if it was <laughs> the Seniors or the Juniors. But 
America won, and the you could tell that the Japanese kid was just a little bummed out. And right away, the American kid went over, hugged him, and shared the spotlight with him. Um, and that was just a cool, cool moment to see of, like, what a good sport. Like, not throwing in his face. Like, being runner-up to Worlds is such a fantastic accomplishment. And to see, like, good sportsmanship come out of that, especially with such a younger age, age division, is just very heartwarming to see. I don't know if people go back and watch Worlds. I'm sure if you're into the, TC, if you're into the competitiveness, you want to see how those matches unfolded. But at the same time, the meta is going to change, so I'm not sure if there's much of a learning experience from there. But I'm sure that's all archived on Twitch or YouTube, and you can go back and watch it. For the, for the TCG here, talk about the Masters deck. So Master Division champion who won was uh, Shintaro Itu. Probably said that wrong. I'm sorry. Uh, they used a Mega, o- Mega Audino EX deck. I'm just... I could read you the deck list, but again, the meta's going to change. So it's not like making this deck is beneficial to you. Uh, Shintaro Itu's Mega Audino EX deck is the talk of the tournament featuring a Mega Evolution Pokemon that has garnered very little attention until now. Mega Audino EX Magical Symphony does 110 damage, enough to take out Shaman EX in one attack and most other Pokemon in two attacks. Pokemon Center Lady is important to preventing the same thing from happening to Mega Audino EX by forcing many Pokemon to attack a third time to take it out. Mega Audino EX, by the way, has 220 HP. Shintaro's innovative deck and masterful play were on full display on his way to his first world championship. So, yeah, I, uh, I'm very familiar with Shaman EX. That, that card was still relevant when I was playing. Ah, it's a different Shaman. Sorry. Uh, when you play <laughs> this Pokemon from your hand onto your bench, you may draw up until you have... That's kind of similar. The old Shaman let you search for Pokemon. All Shaman EX... All Shamans have that similar abil- ability of, like, hand recyclement. So, three Mega Audino EXs, four regular Audino EXs, two Shaman EXs, one Hoopa EX, one Magearna EX, one Cobalion and one Abstol were in his deck. And the runner-up here, uh, Greninja. So Greninja Break. Greninja, two different types of Greninjas, Frogadier, Froakie, and four Talonflames. Not sure how he was getting to Talonflames without the other stage ones, but I'm sure there's a card for that. <laughs> uh, no, I think oh. Talonflame has an ability that you don't have to evolve it. Oh, you just play it as a basic? I believe uh, the ability so. is Gale Wings. If this Pokemon is in your hand when you are setting up to play, you may put it down as your active Pokemon. There you go. Wow. And it does 40 damage for one energy and also searches two cards from your deck and puts them into your hand. That's super good for one energy. That's amazing. Wow. Wow. That's real good. But I guess that also makes your other three useless. But the point is to get one of those four in your starting hand. Yeah. But I'm sure the deck has a lot of like discard two cards to do this. Yeah. There you go. There's your TCG update. There's your I, I didn't catch the TCGs, which is, is something I would have preferred to watch over. I'm I'm a TCG player at heart. I think that's a more exciting game. I have a soft spot for shuffling cards. <laughs> but uh I didn't I I didn't catch those. 
uh, catch those. But prior prior to the most of my watching was the TCG. Uh, after the opening ceremony, I flipped it onto the TCG stream and uh, watched about three hours of that. So, congrats to all those players that won Worlds, Seniors, Masters, Juniors. I don't know if you guys have anything else to comment about that. Uh, not especially, no. I'm just excited to see what the format's going to be for next year. Yeah, I really wanted to go back, like you guys were talking about the other episode, um, I wanted to be just Alolan Pokemon, uh, however they want to make that happen, but that's the that's the time when it's most exciting for me to play. When yeah. it's just like a small amount of new Pokemon. Agreed. Yep. Speaking of Alolan Pokemon, I know we're running long, but Logan... We can get your impressions on Alolan Pokemon. Is there just uh, any Pokemon 2 or 3 that stood out to you that you're excited for, that you're wanting to see more of? Obviously, uh, you're probably very excited for Sun and Moon. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. I'm on this podcast, ain't I? Anyway. <laughs> um, no. Okay, so like Alolan Form Executor is super, super awesome. I'm definitely in that camp of thinking that he's amazing. Um, I am preternaturally excited about palisand and i also think that it's pronounced palisand because that sounds like the word palace oh interesting yeah and he's like a big old castle but i don't I, know I mean, wait 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 wait. step it back i also was thinking um that it's kind of palosand because it's also like pallor which a ghost would have a ghostly pallor oh, that yeah. word there you go yeah. man there's tons of wordplay in here no matter which way you go <laughs> on that sandcastle pokemon but man i hope that I hope that he's good. I feel like Golurk was really bad, and he's got the same typing, so it's probably just going to be the exact same amount bad. But I want him to be good. I mean, he's got stuff where you, where like water can't hurt him, right? Or maybe water can't hurt right, him. Right? Yeah, we don't know fully. Yeah. Um, if you take away that weakness, I feel like he'd be competitively viable. And all I want is for it just to take a a sandcastle to a Pokemon event. That would just be great. So mostly I'm excited about Palisand, is what I'm telling you. Um, but I, I love them all. I love all the little guys. Mimikyu, obviously, everybody's a fan of that. I am, too. No different than anyone with that Mimikyu. So cute. They, oh, Beware's little baby form, they Duffle. really missed an opportunity with Wee Bear. I'm telling you, man. I'm I mean, glad Stuffle's, you agree with me on that. Stuffle's a good name. And Stuffle is better than Beware. But... Wee Bear would have been the best name. So the, the <laughs> theory I saw on Stuffle and Beware is Stuffle's description is that it doesn't want to be hugged or touched. Mm -hmm. And when it evolves into Beware, Beware is so strong that you know, it can break trees in half and it can crush things by hugging. So it pretty much grows up. And since no one has accepted that they shouldn't hug or touch it <laughs> it has become this vicious machine killing bear that is wow. beware <laughs> i like it's, it's another in a line of in a long line of pokemon descriptions where you know they, they seem really cute and in the game they're fine but then if you read the, the description of what they do you're like whoa what is this doing in this ch children's game this is terrifying <laughs> They're all, I don't know, like the like Palisand sucking kids into the into the ocean, basically, or like underneath muddy sand. It's just, huh? 
there's like a a lot of Pokemon that murder children. <laughs> it's As there should be. <laughs> uh, awesome. Add them to the list. Yep. Well, what we'll <laughs> don't really have a good transition, but what we'll do now is we'll take a break. When we come back, I'll have the interview with Ophidian. Again, it's he's a wrestler, very awesome dude. Talks about Pokemon Go on the road. He's playing through Pokemon Black 2, which is, for some reason, one of the games Will likes. <laughs> Other people like Black and White and Black and White 2. I'm not the only one. Just think X and Y is better, but that's me. Uh, <laughs> and so, yeah, you should check it out. And then after that, we'll be back with our Pokemon of the Week. He picked Lampant, unless I forgot what he picked, because I recorded that like two days ago, but I'm pretty sure he picked Lampant, so that's our Pokemon of the Week. We'll be back with that, give you a moveset and everything, so... We'll be right back. And we are back from our break. You guys have probably heard earlier in the episode that we had an interview for you guys. So here we are. I am sitting down with Ophidian. I probably said that wrong again. I feel bad. Oh, oh, don't no worries, my friend here. I'm going to give you an even better introduction. I am the venomous and vile serpent from the Nile, the one and only master of snake style, the Cobra Supernova Ophidian. It was possibly way better than what I could have done. <laughs> awesome. Well, glad glad that you are here sitting down. We're gonna we're gonna chat a bit about Pokemon, about wrestling, about a bunch of things. Before we dive into things. You introduced yourself, but let's break that down even more. You wrestle over at Chikara. Yes, sir. And you've been doing that since 2007? Absolutely. I, uh, I came on board in 2006 and made my professional wrestling debut in 2007. Uh, Chikara Pro, for those that aren't very familiar, is a, essentially a comic book come to life with the uh, Lucha Super Party. Everything about our company, about Chikara, is like watching a live-action comic book, anime, cartoon, whatever your preference may be. Um, we're such colorful and lively characters. Um, take myself, for example, an anthropomorphic, breakdancing ancient Egyptian. <laughs> you can't argue with that. I, want, I, have a, I have a bunch of wrestling-related questions first, but I like, to, I like to open and close with some Pokemon stuff just to kind of tie, tie everything together. And I know you have a Pokemon-themed promotion that you want to promote, and we'll totally get to that. But begin things off. Do you have a favorite Pokemon? Well, you see, uh, it's a little difficult, right? Because with each generation that has come and gone, you know, your favorites tend to change. And sometimes you get those updates you know, uh, to a Pokemon that uh, that kind of makes you change your mind on what you may really like. But I've always, always, always been a huge fan of Haunter. There's just something about his look, his deviousness, that that aura that he has that uh, I don't think any other Pokemon since uh, has been able to replicate. <laughs> That's awesome. And most people jump straight to Gengar, but I like that you kept it at Haunter. Haunter's often overlooked he's a very cool pokemon haunter has no arms but yet still has hands <laughs> it's very handy uh, <laughs> pun intended um, even beyond that i mean even some of the, the the newer generation pokemon 
you know, like I'm a, I'm so psyched that Hall Lucha exists now. And not to say he's my favorite, not by far, but look wise, um, it's exciting to see uh, a bird type with a mask thrown on his head. Yeah, Hall Lucha was one of the Pokemon that I definitely got super psyched about. And it came like right time, right place, because that's when I was getting back into wrestling. So that was like a double win for me when I encountered that. Pokemon wise, just before this will kind of tie in, I try to do some transitions here. You, I'm assuming you're on the road a lot. Yes. So Pokemon Go seems like the game that's best suited to that, unless you didn't jump on that bandwagon. Oh, I absolutely did. Uh, I can tell you right now I'm a level 22 trainer, and I've seen and caught about 95 Pokemon. Oh, that's awesome. It gets a little difficult sometimes because uh, while we do get to travel and we get to see the road, um, it's hard to catch a Pokemon while you're in a car especially since the updates. Yeah, totally. Is for being on the road with with other wrestlers and whatnot. Did they catch that craze too or is that is that mostly you or or has that spread throughout, you know, the rest of your crew? Uh Obviously, culturally, you have a lot of people playing now that aren't traditionally Pokemon fans. Um, and I think that's definitely true of uh, the way it's infected our locker room. Um, you have a lot of people that normally wouldn't play are playing it um, just because it is something to do while you're stuck in a, in a car with somebody for six to seven hours at a time. <laughs> are, I'm going to put you on the spot. Are you, are you the Pokemon expert out of the locker room or does somebody surpass you? Oh, so it goes back and forth between myself and Worker Ant, who has been applying to become a uh, Pokemon professor, as uh, he is an avid uh, TCG player. Oh, um, that's awesome. Uh, we both play together, although I haven't been able to keep up with the X and Y expansion that has come out. Um, just given the, uh, uh, I've been uh, helping my wife more with our business, Closet Champion. Uh, we custom make uh, professional wrestling gear. And uh, that's kind of caught some of my attention, so my ability to play as much hasn't been there. But uh, I still do whip them out every once in a while to play against Worker Ant. So, yeah, I was, I was, my listeners know I was very into the TCG for about almost three years, competitively going to tournaments every single weekend. And I can't imagine being on the road like you guys, because even when I was traveling just on Saturdays and Sundays, I was like, this is too much. <laughs> I played uh, multiple TCGs. Uh, Pokemon and uh, Magic at the same time, and uh, man, it wasn't much of a life. Uh, but between those two things and pro wrestling, it was, uh, <laughs> was time-consuming. But uh, I will say this: you've been able to uh, catch it on like release parties and even uh, some local uh, tournaments in Philadelphia. Uh, Worker and myself masked in public playing Pokemon. That's incredible. I wanted to touch on that. Your masks, and earlier you said your business now. From what I've researched, you seem to make all your own gear, you and your wife? Uh, that hasn't always been the case. As a very young Ophidian, uh, you know, uh, did not know how to do such things. But uh, I've uh, married into seamstressing. As, uh, my <laughs> wife has been a seamstress her whole life. Uh, as well as like a family, you know, uh, her grandmother, her mother, and now she is one as well. So now I do, I produce, I create and, uh, all of my own masks. Um, as well as the gear that I wear. And she uh, creates most of the locker room. Not all, but I would say majority, about 85% of the outfits that you might see on Jakara's show are made by her. Let me, let me back up real quick. Kara is your full-time gig, 
Yes. How many? How many days? A, is that is that a five day a week? Is that a seven day a week? Is that a two day a week? How how much time is that for you? So uh, we have a training facility in Northeast Philadelphia called the Wrestle Factory, uh, where I uh, run classes there alongside uh, Mike Quackenbush, who is the head trainer, and a few other guys like Drew Gulak and Chuck Taylor, um, Hollow Wicked and Fire Ant. Uh, and I have classes three to four days a week, depending on the week. Uh, you know, to, if there's shows, you know, uh, big events on the weekends and stuff, you know, we may have to cancel our class in order to run our events. Okay. All right. So then where does the, where does the time fit in for making the outfits? Is that another <laughs> day or two a week you're dedicating to that or? Uh, it, it's what it tends to be where if I teach a class on a Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, I tend to be at home, uh, with Mrs. DeCobra on a Tuesday and Thursday, you know, smashing out some gear. That is to say, if I'm not on the road or if uh, as it is her main job, first and foremost, that is what she does. Um, not just with Chikara Pro, but with many other companies that she uh, creates gear for anybody from uh, talent in WWE to TNA, Ring of Honor and around the world. And uh, I help out on the days that I can. That's really, really cool. I wanted to kind of stick on the wrestling thing here you're you're on the road you're you're making outfits you're you're teaching new upcoming wrestlers what happens in a situation when you before i ask the question there's no more like hidden side gigs you're doing right those those are (laughs) those are all Uh, of them there there might be a little side business of slinging pokemon cards on the streets but you know you can't really (laughs) talk about that on on the podcast i think understandable (laughs) I, I was I was looking at your your Wikipedia, your history, your you know your wrestling database. You've been hurt before, so what happens in a situation when when you're hurt? Oh man, uh, it can definitely vary. Uh, I'll give you two examples. There was a night in which I broke my jaw uh, in the opening round of a tournament that took place all in one night, and uh, I broke my jaw beating my opponent. I was doing a 450 off of the top rope, and as I was coming down, the points of his knees caught my jaw and uh, broke it, but I still got the three count in that moment. Uh, so, <laughs> That's a visual right there. <laughs> luckily, there was enough impact from the rest of my body hitting him that uh, I was able to beat him, and uh, I had to go into the second round with a broken jaw, kind of just taped up and locked into place and competed in the second round. I, of course, lost very quickly. Uh, but, uh, you know, and there's moments like that where, uh, my body can still go despite the fact that I can't really move my mouth. Whereas in another instance, I've torn my MCL and, uh, upon tearing my MCL in the ring, I dropped immediately and I couldn't stand up. And, uh, luckily that was during a six man tag where I had two partners to help me out. But in those moments I'd roll out of the ring. I have to leave immediately. I can't even stand. Uh, I can't get back up. It's it's scary. Uh, if I was alone in that situation, it would have been a completely different scenario. Um, you know, you'd have to take away something the fans want to see, which is, you know, action in the ring. Um, lucky enough in that moment to have people by my side, you know, five other participants that could go on without me. As I rolled out and curled up into a ball, uh, dreading having to uh, find out what was wrong with my leg. Right, right. So then recovery time, are you just focused on on the recovery or are you still trying to do your other side stuff just to i don't, don't want to say pay the bills i don't want to make it seem like dire but i would imagine where 
that that's the thing you do is wrestle and when you're out you're out absolutely but uh luckily uh with the way you know social media and uh and being a personality has progressed and evolved uh we can make ends meet beyond professional wrestling right so uh, i have the ability now to garner a following online whether it's through social media you know, like a Twitter or Facebook or things like that, or even open up Patreon and and create content for something like that and have something that I can provide people, you know, willing uh, their want to see it. Um, and of course, uh, now, as I wasn't always, but now I'm a trainer at the Wrestle Factory. Um, so there's more than for those that are smart enough to the uh, to the workings and ins and outs of not only uh being a personality but of professional wrestling there's way more to uh do and more ways to make ends meet so like for example i have a patreon with uh with closet champion which is our company and of course you know being a trainer at the wrestle factory right right you make the mask you wear the mask for our listeners if you haven't checked it out you can what what where, where would be the best place they could see your ring gear and what you look like well of course on my social medias you'll clearly see uh me on any of it it's all at ophidian cobra or you can check out closet champion which is at closet champion or closetchampion.com. yeah so take a second because you're take a second and look now back to back to you your ring gear is pretty outstanding i would imagine that the masks that you make and or wear are probably pretty popular with kids <laughs> uh surprisingly my scary face uh is loved by young children <laughs> show wise so you you do the show you do your matches what is the general response of the fans are are you are you well received are you somebody that kids want to run up to or kids don't want to run up to how does that play out what i truly love about chikara pro and uh you know the way the independent wrestling scene works is we're not contracted to any one company so we have the ability to travel and work for other companies and go around the world and perform with whoever wants to hire us we're independent contractors right but you know my home is jakar pro and i primarily uh, i work all of their events and when i'm not you know you go other places but jakar pro is a family-friendly environment so we have lots of children we have lots of families that come and uh, it's such a positive and great environment and where you have the ability to have kids that feel comfortable and safe enough to come up to you and hang out with you and talk to you and want to see you and take pictures and and um, be interactive. Children like me, I would say uh, my snake style is very popular amongst all types. <laughs> I want to take that question, you know, your fans, people enjoying you in the ring, people coming up, buying your stuff. I want to flip that 180 and I stalked your Twitter and i saw you tweet a lot about SummerSlam. i saw you <laughs> i saw you tweet that you were very excited dean ambrose won the wwe championship it seems like you not only are a wrestler but you are a fan of other promotions is that accurate uh, absolutely uh despite what a lot of what i think ends up happening with a lot of not just professional wrestlers but if you're a musician or if you're an actor if you're if you're moving into your field that you grew up loving and are trying to become active in that scene, you tend to become bitter towards what you what you loved about the industry. And uh, I've made sure that I've stayed connected and grounded in a way that allows me to still enjoy 
uh, what others are producing. Um, because without them, right, without that, without being, if I can't enjoy the content that others are producing, then I myself am not going to produce content that I, I feel uh, produce content that others will enjoy as well. If I'm, if I can't take a step back and look at what's going on and go, man, that's fun. That's enjoyable. That's, and at the end of the day, that's what made me a fan of professional wrestling. The kid in me still loves, you know, being able to watch a SummerSlam or things like that. Uh, we had we had Xavier Woods, aka Austin Creed, on about four or five episodes ago, and I was I was hesitant to do that interview, not because of Austin, because I love I love the New Day, I love Xavier Woods and everything. I was hesitant because I didn't know how my audience, being primarily Pokemon, would react to it. And it went over super well, and I think Austin was very easy going enough and talked in a way where his main point was sometimes people don't see us, us as in wrestlers, outside of a box. They just go, oh, you're only a wrestler, and they're surprised when that person, that could apply to football or sports or musicians, that could apply anywhere. That, oh, you only must do this. So you only must wrestle. And everyone was shocked. They're like, oh, Austin has like this gaming channel and plays games and he's into Pokemon. And you obviously clearly into Pokemon playing the card game and Pokemon Go and and knowing Halucha, like that's such a step above all the I mean, everyone knows the first 150, but <laughs> once you break that that first 150, it's like, oh, you actually do know something. Uh, what do you do though outside of wrestling? I'm sure there's there there's something else where you. Well, I'm a huge gamer, um, without a doubt, and and same in the way that uh, Austin Creed is. And uh, I can tell you right now, I'm currently replaying Final Fantasy VII, and I'm uh, gotten back up to the third disc currently, and in the North Creator, and stepped out of the North Creator as I'm going for the uh, ultimate weapons now. But I've always been a huge RPG nerd. Uh, to uh. <laughs> One hundred percent. It's great to be able to be able to take stuff like that and take it on the road because we do have a lot of time and a lot of free time. Even if I'm not saying free time is we don't do anything with ourselves, but what else are you going to do if you're sitting in a car for like this? Yesterday I was on the road at a uh, I had an event at a summer camp for uh, autistic um, cerebral palsy, Down syndrome, uh, uh, kids with uh, different physical and mental disabilities um, as like their big end of summer uh event and for me that was six hours of driving so sitting in a car for that long what are you gonna do i'm gonna maybe pop on you know pokemon black 2 um because i uh that's what i went back to start playing or final fantasy 7 um which i absolutely love uh, i can't get enough of the final fantasy franchise <laughs> on top of being able to play stuff like uh like even pokemon go uh, pokemon, pokemon black 2 is currently uh i'd take a step back um and clear some space on my uh, device for it. But I will be returning to it once Final Fantasy VII is done. I would then safely assume you're excited for Final Fantasy XV. Yes, absolutely. I like the open world changes. I like the fact that we're going to be able to uh, explore the world in the way that they're presenting to us. It's the natural progression for, you know, the genre. We're able to live in the world, you know, linearly for years, but what happens when we don't have that linear path anymore, which they completely, you know, deviated from with like Final Fantasy 13, uh, which I was a big fan of. But they, you know, they corrected by Final Fantasy 13, 2 and 13, 3, where they allowed you to deviate from that linear path um, and to have something that feels or looks as if it is completely unlinear uh, is 
great. I'm excited for it. Give me a world to explore on my own and let me fail miserably. <laughs> Speaking of video games and stuff, the first time I actually was aware of you and your character was you... Uh, I might get the the event wrong, but I believe it was Paximania uh, yes. with the, the Giant Bomb crew. Yes. Uh, that was the first time that I was aware of you, and you know they're introducing all the wrestlers, and they're all people in the game industry, and then you and somebody else came out, and you guys started doing backflips, and I was like, there's no way that's somebody in the game industry. Like, I feel like these guys are real wrestlers. <laughs> and, and Alex Navarro of Giant Bomb were like, these guys are actually real wrestlers. What Can you lay out that? Like, where, how did this happen? <laughs> um, the Paximania crew, actually, this well, was, PAX East was a, a blast. I've never been to a PAX event up until that point. And uh, I have some connections through Kaiju Big Battle to those guys. And Kaiju Big Battle is a tokusatsu-themed professional wrestling company. Um, if you're unfamiliar with tokusatsu, it's essentially uh, the Godzilla-type monsters, or if you think of Power Rangers, or the you know Sentai, the villains that exist when they're in their giant forms, the monsters in, the, in those suits. Uh, that's tokusatsu. There's a combination of those guys being fans of Takara, and them also knowing uh, some uh, some of the guys from... Uh, Kaiju Big Battle, who were able to get a hold of us for that event as well. Lucky enough that, you know, they were fans of Chikara, um, and the right people knew how to get a hold of us. Uh, <laughs> it, was a, it was a blast, and they paid us off to not, not uh, battle them in a, uh, on stage, in front of the world. We walked on stage, did our flips, and like, how about we just give you a lot of cash and you not beat us up? All right. <laughs> Do you remember that? You can, uh, you can Ted DiBiase me all you want. I'll gladly take your money. <laughs> <laughs> That event overall, though, other than, you know, knowing the, the Godzilla-like wrestlers, were you in connections with the, the people from Giant Bomb or the other people in the gaming industry? Was that something that, you know, you hung out with them, you talked with them, or even to extend that further, they wanted you to come back? Because it seems like this Paximania thing is never-ending. We are, uh, I hope... You know uh, that we're able to come back as they did extend an invitation for um, as I guess they're getting more involved with PAX and are doing something with PAX West um, but that is not something we're able to do but we're hoping that at least when they're back on the East Coast that you know come next year when PAX East happens again that uh, it is a reoccurring thing as they were happy with us they were all I was happy with hanging out with those guys it was my first time meeting all of them and uh, as I'm sure, uh, you know, I mean, a, an event like PAX is um, it's massive and uh, it's a lot to take in <laughs> a lot, a lot going on around you. Yeah, um, totally. Yeah. At two panels there that day, the Paximania and then the Kaiju Big Battle, which is the Tokusatsu Wrestling Company, uh, had an event there that day that I helped work as well. Speaking of events, you guys have an event coming up. I believe it's called the King of Trios. Yes. Tell me about this. This seems fascinating. So King of Trios is the largest professional wrestling tournament every single year. And I mean largest as in the amount of performers that are on the show. 16 teams of three uh, compete against each other to be called the King of Trios. And this year, maybe even Queen of Trios, as we have our first all-female teams. There's more than one. We have multiple female teams in the tournament. 
Uh, and there are teams from all around the world, from Japan, from the UK, from Mexico, from Canada, anywhere you can think of that has professional wrestling. Throughout the years, there has been representation in the tournament. Um, and that happens over Labor Day weekend this year. I'm involved in the tournament as well. My trio, the Snake Pit, are uh, battling one of the all-female trios from Japan, Team JWP. I wanted to ask this. I forgot a little bit earlier, but you just reminded me. We look at You can look at a promotion like WWE, and they don't. Women wrestle women, men wrestle men. But Chikara is one of the, not the few, but is one of the promotions where men can wrestle women or vice versa. What are your thoughts on that overall? Like I, I've seen you do a couple matches with women competitors, and they were they were outstanding. But what 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 are your thoughts when when it comes down to that? So my experience coming into professional wrestling is a little different from others. I uh, was trained originally by Lightning Mike Quackenbush, who was the founder of Chikara Pro, uh, Claudio Casagnoli, who is now Cesaro in WWE, and uh, Chris Hero, who is Cassius Ono in NXT, if you're familiar with NXT history, Mm -hmm. when some of those guys had to depart, Sarah Del Rey became one of the other head trainers for the school, who is now the assistant head coach or head trainer in NXT. So I spent years training with Sarah Del Rey um, and um, learning a lot of the ins and outs from, you know, one of the female competitors. And uh, in my mind, it was never a question as to, whether or not you know uh, you can have intergender wrestling or, or that female competitors are different. You know, in the ring, we're all the same. They uh, getting kicked in the face or, or you know punched or slammed around is still the same whether it's a man or a woman doing it. It still hurts a lot. <laughs> sure. Uh, <laughs> um, and uh, I'm excited to see more and more of it happening around the world. It'll never progress farther unless a company like wwe right the big dog if unless they instate it within their uh within their world um but it's something that will inevitably happen as companies like chikara um who have an international following are known around the world you know we've done tours in uk we've done shows in japan we've done tour, uh same in germany you know, as we start to do it and get bigger and bigger and have stuff like King of Trios, where you have female teams, female competitors battling male competitors, um, it just opens up the possibility for matchups and things that happen that would never exist otherwise. You know, uh, professional wrestling is all up. It's at the end of the day, it's a performance art, right? And mm-hmm. uh, the more colors we have available to create art with, the bigger the picture, the better the pictures we may be able to create. Right. So having more competitors, having uh, different types of competitors, having females of different shapes and sizes and from all, you know, different walks of life, being able to battle the male competitors as well means that we get to create larger, bigger and even, maybe even more vibrant art. And uh, that's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. To me. That was a, that was a fantastic explanation. Going back to King of Trios, there might there may or may not be a Pokemon theme applied to it. Oh, oh. <laughs> Yes, there is. <laughs> do you want to do you want to talk about that? Uh, before the Pokemon craze even kicked in, Pokemon Go, I should say. I mean, Pokemon obviously has always been massive, but um, earlier in the year, you know, we slapped a Pokemon theme to our shows. Where every time we'd reveal a team, we'd do it in the style of the TV show. It's you know, who's that Pokemon instead of be who's that trio. Um, and then uh, you'd have it revealed in sil- you know, silhouette style and revealed who the trios were. And we've been doing that for the entire year, um, as well as doing an event 
called the Victory Road Rally, uh, where we're setting up a scavenger hunt at Pokemon gyms around the Easton, uh, or the city of Easton, which is where King of Trios is this year. A two-hour scavenger hunt uh, with our competitors uh, stationed at these different gyms um, in order to get the clues from the one hopes that you battle and take the gym over for whether you're Valor, Mystic, or Instinct, uh, go team Valor. Um, <laughs> that takes place on our second day. Uh, so you have the Pokemon-themed event with all of our marketing and advertising is all uh, decked out in the style of uh, Pokemon. And you have uh, even animation with the director of fun, Mike Quackenbush, uh, dressed as Ash. Uh, or you know, modeled after ass in all sure. of our promos, uh, as well as the who's that you know who's that trio reveal uh, alongside of uh, stuff like the Victory Road Rally, using Pokemon Go because that's the only way you'll know where the gyms are at. You'll have to use Pokemon Go in order to f- complete the scavenger hunt to find all seven gyms that we have uh, mapped out. Right, right. Were th- were there people on the roster when this when this theme was applied that are like? What? What is this Pokemon thing? Why are we doing this? Or was everyone very cool of like, yeah, let's do this kind of thing? Uh, it was fun having to explain there's a character on our show uh, named Dasher Hatfield, who is the old-timey king of swing. He is a uh, an old-timey baseball player, like from the early 1900s. And uh, despite the fact that it is 2016, the man had no idea, had no concept of Pokemon at all. <laughs> It was great explaining to him how that worked out. Where guys like myself and Worker Ant were beyond excited, just hoping that we had Pokemon themed, uh, Pokemon uh, style T-shirts and all. That. And of course we do. Our King of Trios font this year is in the Pokemon styling, mm-hmm. and just having all this merchandise now that is a crossover between Chikara, which is obviously what we love, is this comic book come to life pro wrestling company and Pokemon, you know, a video game, which is also another huge aspect of my life. And and Worker Ant as well. Having that crossover, it's just uh, yeah, it's a. Uh, it warms the cockles of our soul. <laughs> Speaking of Pokemon, do you have a favorite generation or a favorite game in the series? We, you said black. You said black two earlier is was currently in your DS. I, uh, I'm a. Uh, I don't know if this is a touchy subject or not, so I'm sorry if it is. <laughs> but I'm a fan of the uh, ROM hacks, and uh, oh, okay, because of this, you know, Emerald and Ruby have a ton of them. Uh, so Flora Sky is one of my favorite hacks. Uh, so I would have to say because uh, because of that, and I of course like the the uh, the stuff that was introduced in Emerald and Ruby, um, and Sapphire uh, around the gen or the, that generation of Pokemon. Um, I'd have to say that would be it, mostly because of the hacks that have come out for that those games are been a lot of fun to play. Okay, no, that's totally a fair answer. I don't some uh some some people are not for uh you know tampering with the OG uh you know formula. <laughs> sure, totally. Is is Pokemon Sun and Moon on your radar? Have you been following that? Is is that something you're planning on picking up or maybe you know a little bit later? What's what's your stance there? Uh I'm absolutely planning on getting it 100%. As I'm super excited for it. And I got to play X and Y as well, but not as much as I wanted to because uh I broke my 3DS on the road. Which is why I'm back to playing Pokemon Black too. <laughs> oh, it <laughs> comes full circle now. <laughs> yeah. Let's say uh, liquids and uh, 3DSs don't get along. Sure. Um, and of course, I mean, I, I just couldn't justify buying another 3DS at the time. I'm hoping that somebody uh, in my life gets me one without me having to buck down and get one again. But uh, I'm super excited for it. And come 
closer to Christmas, I'm hoping that another 3DS appears in my life. Yeah, that would be that would be quite the gift. <laughs> Besides Pokemon, you said you were a big gamer. What about favorite game? Just kind of favorite all all time game. Is is there one that sticks out? Is it Final Fantasy VII? Is it something else? So, I'll uh, as far as classic games go, as far as like let's say a uh, pre PlayStation Two, um, I'm going with uh, Legend of Dragoon, which is a PlayStation game. It was absolutely. Uh, it wasn't a, the greatest RPG of all time, but uh, it's no secret that I've got dragon tattoos on my arms. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> and uh, also Mortal Kombat tattoos on my back, uh, which is uh, another story for another time, I guess. Uh, the Legend of Dragoon is without a doubt my favorite uh, game from that generation. Um, there's just something about it that I've been able to go back and replay it. And the, the, the fighting system they introduced where it was timed uh, attacks where you can run up into attack, and if you hit the button at the right time, you can combo and keep going. And for an RPG, that was, uh, and they did, they had mastered that technique so well for an RPG to have that interactivity in a time-based RPG was mind-boggling to a young me, uh, and I was hooked <laughs> on it. I still go back and play. But now, currently, Mortal Kombat 10 beat out Mass the Mass Effect franchise by just a little bit, because um, Mortal Kombat 10 is just so smooth. And, uh, it's got its flaws, but I don't care. Yeah, I'm licking. It can do it. It can be as flawed as it wants to be. I don't. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, before we wrap up, break that question down a little bit further. Is there a favorite console that you have out of all of them? Oof. Uh, I would probably have to go PlayStation. Um, the original? I just, yes. Um, just for the library of games. And part of it's probably nostalgic. Because, um, of course, I mean, like, Gaming has only gotten better over the years, but there's just there are games from that console that I could still go back and play to this to this day. I mean, despite I mean, I've you know, I've had everything from a Nintendo to uh, Xbox One right now. And we can all go back and play classic games like sure, I can go back and play Mario, but I can't play it like I can go back and play Final Fantasy seven or Twisted Metal or Legend of Dragoon or uh, um, Reloaded um, or any any of the millions of games that have come out for that console, mm-hmm. Spyro the Dragon or Crash Bandicoot. It's just, I can play just about anything from that console and be happy with what's in front of me, what's in my hands. Well, King of Trios is coming up. Do you have, you? I'm sure you know the exact date of when people can actually check that out. Yes, September 2nd, 3rd, and 4th. The three-day tournament. King of Trios starts night one, and then on night two and three it continues on. But on night two, the Raid of Oladorus tournament, the King of Flyers, uh, kicks off. And then on night three, we have the Tag Team Gauntlet, as well as the finals of Raid of Oladorus and the finals of King of Trios. So you have multiple uh, tournaments happening over these three days, as well as a fan conclave where the guys, uh, or you'll have uh, interactivity with the performers, the two-hour event at the beginning of that day. Uh, the crew from Continue, the uh, YouTube channel, will be there as well, holding a gaming tournament for WWF No Mercy. What a game. <laughs> it's what a game, yes. A very frustrating game uh, if you're playing Worker Ant. Uh, and uh, a lot of other cool things, like being able to do karaoke with the wrestlers or the Victory Road Rally and things like that. Uh, so that's September 2nd, 3rd, and 4th in Easton, Pennsylvania. And you can find information on that at ChikaraPro.com. And if you care to do so, what I'm reading here is all of Chikara's schedule is posted on ChikaraPro.com. Absolutely. 
Their Twitter is just Chikara Pro. Yes. Uh, everything for them, their Facebook, their Twitter, all of that is Chikara Pro. And you, you said your Twitter a little bit earlier, but people forget, people forget. Where can our listeners find you? You can find me on all forms of social media at Ophidian Cobra. That's O-P-H-I-D-I-A-N, Cobra, Ophidian Cobra. Or check out the company at Closet Champion uh, on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all that fun stuff. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Ophidian. Good luck at your King of Trios tournament. I am excited to find out and see what happens. Well, thank you for having me. Oh, yeah, yes. Oh, actually, before we close, because I'm going to bring us to a break. Ophidian, do you want to pick our Pokemon of the week? We usually talk about one specific Pokemon to wrap up the show. I want to put it in your hands. Which Pokemon would you like us to focus on? Mm, I think the Pokemon that you guys should talk about this week is Lampent. Excellent choice. Perfect. Awesome. We will be back with Lampent. If, you ha- if you're curious about Chikara, if you want to know more, head over to ChikaraPro.com. All the information is there. When we come back, we will be talking about Lampet, our Pokemon of the Week. And we are back with our Pokemon of the Week here. It's been, uh, last couple episodes of It's Super Effective have been, like, pushing two hours, so hopefully you guys like that. I don't know. I like long... Nobody's gonna complain about more content, right? Right. It just takes you longer to finish, I guess. Yeah. I don't know why you would complain. I love a long podcast, but that's just me. Ophidian picked a Lampet, which is the evolution of Litwick. Also, the pre-evolution to one of our favorites here, Chandelure. Yeah. Not right off the bat, does Lampet fit into like a little cup, or you probably wouldn't use them in a normal tournament, but what we were talking about on our break was, what if there was like a a tournament where you could only use middle stage Pokemon? Some kind of middle cup. Yeah, like Metapod, (laughs) Wartortle, Ivysaur. Lampet, the middle form of Reuniclus that I can never remember. Delusion. Duosian. Duosian. <laughs> you know, that, that would actually be a great tournament because, like, the middle stages get no love uh, on any Pokemon, really. Like, yeah. think of a middle stage that you really, really identify with. Mm. I, I can't think of one. Pikachu. Kadabra? Sure, Pikachu is, is Pikachu is technically a middle stage, yeah. <laughs> Kadabra, I would, I could, I could feel like I, Alakazam's just way cooler though. Right, yeah. They're, huh. th- most of the time they're awkward teens. That's they're the awkward teen <laughs> version of Pokemon. Like Machoke is okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mach- he looks less. He looks less awkward than Machamp. I'm gonna go ahead. And I say mean, that. Machamp has four arms though. How can right. you? That's that's money. <laughs> what's, what's better than two arms four oh, man. 
Uh, <laughs> let me read a, uh, Logan will have a move set here. Let me read something about Lampet. Lampet can sense when somebody is about to die, whom it visits and steals the spirits from the person's body. Through most often found in deep forests, it wanders through cities and hangs around near hospitals to absorb the spirits of fallen. It uses the spirits it absorbs to fuel its fire. On occasion, it has been known to work with Litwick to lead people to the ghost world while stealing life energy. I don't know why yeah. I decided to do that voice, but... You should add spooky uh, music in the background. Yeah, I thought about it. Uh, uh, yeah, Lampet's terrifying. Yeah, it's another pleasant for children Pokemon right there. <laughs> also, the ghost world. I, I, I'm assuming that's not the same as the distortion world. It is the land of wind and spirits. You should be well familiar with that. Should I? <laughs> Have you never seen Mr. Sparkla? No. That. What? You are the biggest oh, Simpsons wait. fan in the whole world. Mr. Oh, Mr. Sparkle. Yeah. I shall banish you to the land of wind and spirits. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. <laughs> I am familiar with Mr. Sparkle. I am floored that you, have, you did not get that immediately. You have very lucky dishes, Mr. Simpson. That <laughs> 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 part always gets me. <laughs> Um, Lampet is a Pokemon. Sure. Allegedly. Yeah, yeah, ghost Pokemon. Uh, ghost fire Pokemon to be exact. Logan, what's your move set for the middle cup? I feel like we need a better name than middle cup. No, middle cup's good, man. It what, sounds like little cup. What about the teenage cup? No. That's just not better. <laughs> All right. You got me there. <laughs> Okay, so Middle Cup, uh, Lampet can learn Trick Room, just like Chandelure, his uh, big brother. Um, and you're probably going probably gonna to use him on a, on a Trick Room team. I mean, although, he's still got real good stats. Um, I mean, I honestly, I don't know what the, uh, the range is on Middle Evolutions, but I know his grown-up form has really, really great special attack. And 95 still seems pretty legit for a Middle Sage. Um, so we're gonna you can go with a trick room, that's fine. Uh he also learns Will-O-Wisp, and Will-O-Wisp is good in no matter what cup you're in. Um, so you can get somebody burned. We can give him Shadow Ball. I think yeah, he can learn that. It's real real nice stabby ghost move that'll take advantage of his special attack. Um probably the best ghost move that you can use. Yeah. Hundred accuracy, yeah, eighty damage. Yeah, it's it's a really solid move. Oh yeah, Shadow Ball is real popular. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, you know, like if, if you don't want to go with substitute, he's got, you he can have like hidden power ice since you're going with, um, really like a focus or attack, a special attack focused build. You probably want to give him a choice scarf cause he's pretty speedy, but he needs help getting up there. Actually, is he? No, nah, he's mean, 55 speed. Okay. So you, if you give him the choice scarf, you're, you're banking on going first if you give him trick room by the way you probably want to give him a focus sash so he's guaranteed to get trick room off and that means your team is going to be slow guys which is probably pretty cool for a teenage cup um but i i think i'd definitely go with will-o-wisp let's go ahead and build the trick room 
give him Shadow Ball and Fire type move ball. maybe. And now how's about Heat Wave as an egg heat... move? Heat Wave. Oh, yeah. It's yeah, it's yeah, both heat... opponents fire type move. Stab it up. That's very true. It's a it's another stab move. It can take advantage of his other type. So yeah, Heat Wave is a good one. Ten percent chance of burn. Boom. So you're gonna burn them all up with Will O Wisp and Heat Wave. Yeah, you, I mean that's a pretty that's a pretty solid build. I really want this teenage cup to happen now. You could probably substitute out. I mean, if you want, if you're more of a defensive player, you could probably substitute out Will O Wisp for like protect. So you still have your trick room, you have your protect, and then you have either Shadow Ball or whatever fire type move you want: Heat Wave, Fire Blast, Flamethrower. If you're gonna add protect, I wouldn't take away Will O Wisp for it because Will O Wisp gets even better if you have protect in addition. Oh, okay. Block and get extra damage. So then maybe take away the fire type move. Just keep the shadow ball. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess it's it's uh how you want to play it. Yeah, it also depends on what's more popular in the meta. You know, if you're seeing lots of psychic and other ghost types out there, then you want the shadow ball. If you're seeing a lot of grass, uh, insect, insect. Wow, my brain is insect type. Right. Grass, bug, ice. If that's something that's big, then you're gonna want that heat wave. I mean, honestly, keeping both moves is, is pretty, pretty solid. So maybe you want either Will-O-Wisp or Trick Room, but maybe not both. I don't know. I don't know. If you're doing Will-O-Wisp, you probably don't want to do Flame Body. Flame Body gives 30% chance of burn if they make physical contact with you. Right. Uh, so what's you his, probably want to go with Flash Fire. Yeah, Flash Fire. Yeah, definitely. See, we Infiltrator, need... I guess, could be a thing, but I, I, yeah. I, we're we're talking about a middles cup, which has like no, like I don't know what would the threat, what the threats would be, with like a reflect or a or a barrier. Yeah. Um. Well, infiltrator would allow for a willow wisp to burn if somebody's put up a safeguard to prevent status moves. Yeah. Interesting. If you get a shiny lampet, it has a purple glow instead of a blue glow. So it also cool. has blue eyes instead of yellow eyes, which is a nice touch. Lampet represents October in the Unova horoscope. I had no clue <laughs> there was a Unova horoscope. Uh, yep. In Generation 5, Lampet and its evolutionary relatives have Shadow Tag instead of Infiltrator as their hidden ability. However, they cannot obtain their hidden ability in these games. And Lampet is based on an oil street lamp, which I think is obvious when you look at them. Yeah. Kind of. Assuming you have that vernacular of what an oil lamp on the street looks like, then yeah, it looks just like it. All right, let's talk about horoscope here. Logan, when were you born? What's the month? I'm in August. I'm a Leo. Oh, so you are you are a braver bravery. Braviary. Okay, I'll take braviary. Uh, Will. You don't know what month I'm born in. Uh, not off the top of my head. (laughs) (laughs) March. March. You are a a Loma Lola. Alamolola. That is correct. And I was born in July, so I am a crustal. That is correct. Ah, <laughs> uh, Crystal's okay. Oh, Crystal's a cutie. He he can be cute. Uh, otherwise, I'll just run him down. If you're born in January, you're a sawsbuck. February, semi-poor. March, Alola Mola. 
April Whimsicott. Scott. Cot. Whimsicott. Yes. I'm just butchering names now. It's the end of the episode, you can tell. Oh, that's never happened before. No, never, <laughs> never. May, you're a boofalant. June, you are a clink. July and August, we talked about September, Gotharita. October, Lampet. November, Scolipede. And if you're December, you are a fracture. There you go. I didn't know you know if I had a, a, a horoscope, but there you go. Now you know. <laughs> now you know. You know what they say about knowing. It's half the battle. <laughs> that has been our show for you guys. If you are going to PAX West, I will be there. I will be speaking on Monday morning at 10.30 a.m. in the Hydra Theater. Please come out. Please say hi afterwards. I would love to meet you guys. There's also an unofficial Pokemon podcast meetup uh, taking place on Sunday night. Uh, I'm still trying to work out the details with the Slack community, but if you're not in Slack, uh, you should get on Slack. You can get access to Slack by going to patreon.com slash it's super effective. And just by giving us $1 a month, that gets you access to our Slack community. It also supports the show, but we'll be having a meetup at PAX. Well, not, we'll be having a meetup near PAX for people who can't go to PAX, uh, on, on Sunday night, the night before I speak. So if you're following us on Facebook or Twitter, or if you're in Slack, uh, I'll have the details later this week as we iron them out. Uh, Logan, where can our listeners find you? I'm on Twitter at Logan Jenkins. You should also check out Dungeons and Dragon Nights. We're coming up with new episodes, and I'm on it. Yeah, by the time you hear this episode, the second Dungeons and Dragon Nights should be in iTunes and where other podcasts are found. Nice. Will. Where can they find you? Uh, on Twitter at Washing the Sink. It's, it's a good place to go. <laughs> Always it a is. good place. Yeah. Great place. Otherwise, you can follow me on Twitter at Dragging a Lake. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Pokemon Podcast. Again, I'll be at PAX, Patreon, iTunes. There's stuff to do if you want to help the show in any way. Uh, otherwise, this has been another episode of the Pokemon Podcast. And we are Super Teenage Cup competitors. Alamalola fans. Effective. <laughs>